Iran. Who do we send? Right, that's where we're in position. Bravo team offloads here. Alpha team stays on board to land downrange. This is capture or kill. Ya son más de 10 años metiéndole y todavía sueno como nuevo. Baby no tiene relevo, me sobra el dinero, el respeto y los huevos. Yo, cada movimiento que hago es luego otro nivel lo elevo. Tú sonaste, te pagaste y no lleva ni la mitad. We're shifting, watch the containers. How the hell did Iran get their hands on this? It's either Russia or us. Mexican Special Forces, 141, they are your brothers now. Where I lay my head is Weapons hard, Vangelos. Pre-order now and get early access to the open beta. Life is full of bittersweet transitions. It's difficult to know how these changes will impact us over time. They can hit harder than expected and may contribute to feelings of hopelessness. You good, sir? Or even thoughts of suicide. We got this. Support from friends and family 
can make a big difference to a veteran going through a difficult time. We've got this, Dad. Let's go. I got this. Together, our actions could help save a life. Learn more at VeteransCrisisLine.net. Hello and welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. My name is Travis. I'm the host. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hoobazoo Network. You can find out more on Hoobazoo.com. I want to start off by thanking my sponsors, Joyce Asak of Asak Real Estate, Army National Guard veteran Mark Holmes of Reaper Detailing Power Washing, and my supporters, Simper Savage Salad Dressing, Bottom Gun Coffee, and Quezon Shaping Company. And we had number 300. We're off to the races already. And I have a special guest on today, all the way from the other side of the U.S., from Spokane, Washington, Army veteran Nick Richardson. Welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Thank you for having me. Man, it's really great to be here. I, I really appreciate how you supported the show, what I'm doing, and we finally got the plants and stars to align, and here we are. You have a very interesting story, and you're trying to do some good stuff in the Spokane area. I was just curious if you'd start off and kind of tell us, you know, about your military story and who you are. Well, uh, like like a lot of us that serve, you know, I kind of grew up in a broken home. Uh, to a certain degree, the wrong side of the tracks, literally and figuratively, we did have train tracks close to my house. But, uh, you know, divorced parents, the normal spiel there, uh, wrestler, football player in high school and wanted to get away. Grandpa was a military veteran. So, you know, the Army is the one that won my interest. And that's what I decided to do. So I jumped ship and went to the Army. He was Navy, so he wasn't thrilled about that originally. Um, how did he take he, he didn't take that one well then no he he wanted me to go in the navy but you know back in 99 when i joined a lot of branches were downsizing to include the army and you know i was an athlete and i wanted to do something kind of exciting and at the time the navy just wasn't it it was like either you go in to be a seal a pilot or a ship commander, in my opinion, or you weren't nothing. So I was like, well, that kind of takes that off the table for me. So what did you do in the army, Nick? Well, something not as exciting as I thought it would be coincidentally enough. Um, I got offered a commission. I turned it down because my dad was a truck driver. And I don't know if it's appropriate to say the jokes I made about my mom's job, but she worked at Hostess. So she knew her way around Twinkies and Ding Dongs. We'll just say it like that. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I was blue collar, so I didn't really see a value in education back then. So I didn't commission. I ended up doing artillery because I tore my knee and couldn't do what I really wanted to do at the time. So. So you were literally you're in the army now, not behind, yeah, yeah. you know, over hill, over dale. Yeah. So, you know, just one thing real quick, because, you know, I knew we, we called them cannon cockers in the, in, the, in the Marine Corps, my MOS, but it's a lot more people just say, hey, he just loads up some powder in a shell and boom, there's a lot more to it than that, though, right? Oh, there's a lot more to it. I mean, you know, it's lifting it for one, you know, I'm six one, so I'm almost too tall for artillery because when you're what we call towed, which are the ones that they get towed by the trucks or dropped in with the choppers. 
height doesn't matter on those, but when you're inside a, a pallet in the 109 Alpha 6, like I was, when you're above a certain height, you better learn to be a ninja in there or your Kevlar is getting a lot of chips in it. And yes, mine did get a lot of chips. Those are compact inside, right? And not and not very comfortable right in. No, they're uh, cold in winter and hot in the summer. And then you're sleeping with, you know, high explosive rounds when you're in training. So that's probably not the safest thing, especially if you're a smoker, which luckily I wasn't. And, uh, you know, 100-pound rounds, you, you know, seven to eight of those a minute from pulling them off the ready rack, popping the nose plug, putting the – you know, the fuse on there, timing it, adjusting it, loading, firing, and doing all the fun stuff. How long were you in the Army for, Nick? I, I got injured my first year in, so after four years, along with some uh, poor command things, it, I just had enough, you know, I was, I was done. So I hung it up, and it was hard, you know. Well, sure, sure. I mean, I mean you spend all that time and effort, and, and you want to just, okay, you're done. I get it. So you get out, what was the transition like returning to civilian life? It was, it was kind of weird because, uh, you know, back then they didn't have resources like they do now. So when I got out in 03, I decided to stay on in Germany because my wife's German. So, of course, everyone that does that at first goes to work on post for AFEs, which I won't bash them, but let's just say that was less than desirable. And uh, then, then I took a DOD contract with Securitas, which is different than the one in the U.S. They actually do higher level training and I won't say black water level because they're not, but better than average rent-a-cop, I'll just say that. So I did that for two years as an armed guard supervisor, uh, had to be fluent in German, weapons qualifications, training out the wazoo, all that fun stuff. And then, you know, I got sick of it after a while and we jumped jumped again and decided to move stateside and that's where things really kind of started to get rough believe it or not really yeah in, in what way was it just coming back to the u.s because you know i, I know some germans I've, I've worked with some and i know a couple of german veterans and it's very different from here well it's not just the difference so like for us you know of course my family that i left to get away from was not any better by the time, you know, seven years had passed. So I went over, I touched ground in Germany and it was January 3rd of 2000. I didn't come home at all to the U.S. for any reason until May 17th of 06. I hadn't been home at all. Spent all my time in Europe and overseas. So, you know, the family bond wasn't what we thought it was going to be based on phone calls. And my wife only spoke German so my mom always thought she was talking trash. So, I mean, we were back in the States less than three months and we were homeless. How did you overcome that? Because you're, you're, you have a German wife, no real infrastructure relationship-wise to try to get a toehold. Like some of us, you know, get out. I, I was one of those who didn't have this. Some of our people get out. They have a, a job waiting for them or some people to contact and, you had none of that. Well, no, I mean, it was, you know, like my dad who, you know, we weren't close back then, but we are now. He said, you know, if you go and get a skill that's going to translate and, you know, being artillery doesn't really translate unless someone needs you to blow something up. Right. And then your basic soldier skills, again, 
don't really translate to much either, you know, so that was part of the problem. So I knew college was imminent, but again, to apply for VA benefits or college, you have to have an address. And that was a little bit of a challenge. You know, we, we got on a Greyhound bus with, you know, $700, two kids and six suitcases and went back from Kennewick, Washington, where my mom lived to Spokane, Washington, where I'm from. And we were at the Greyhound bus station and happened to call my uncle and we knew each other, but we hadn't spent a lot of time together. And he said, why don't you come stay with me? You know, you're going to miss an opportunity, use your GI bill, college fund, go to college and ended up doing that, you know, went six years consecutively, oddly enough, and got the masters and opened some doors. So your uncle, you know, giving you a hand up, helped you get up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as you're going through the, the college process, this is because a lot of us, Nick, don't use our GI Bill or use yeah. it fully. You did. Did you start getting back into a groove, going to school, having to be there on time and, you know, interacting with professors? What was that like? Well, uh, to answer your question, honestly, no, because I went to I went to online school because I was like, I need more money. I need to make I need to work. So I did it you know, 60 hour a week between work and college and writing papers. Um, But to be honest, you know, it's kind of nice to write term papers in your boxers and drink a beer and, you know, a little bit more fun that way. But uh, yeah, it was just, it was different because I never saw myself as the college type, even though I signed up for all the benefits when I enlisted. I just, I never thought it'd be as fun as it was. And, you know, with online school, I got to work with professors actually in the field, um, people that were on the ground at 9-11, just a lot of different people. So it was kind of cool. And that's, that's cool. That's cool. So you, you get out in 2006, you go to school for six years. No, I came home in 2006. I got out in 03. Okay. Sorry about that. So, so yeah. you're, no, I'll just get that right. Sometimes I miss. So 2012, 13-ish, you graduate school? Yeah, 12, I graduated. And then, uh, you know, I don't like to call out different presidents, but let's just say the one that was in charge then, similar to the one now, they couldn't run an economy if someone did it for them. I'll just say it like that. And there were no jobs. So, you know, me going from being a veteran that had deployed, that had all these other skills, and now a degree, there were no jobs. It was you would apply for the lowest level job and their first thing out of their mouth, you're overqualified, you're overqualified. So then I went to like unemployment offices and all these meet the employer things. And you'd have six different employers on this panel and they'd all say six different things. So that didn't help. And it's like, do I put the degree down? Do I only put it down when it's relevant to a job and six different answers. So half the time I would, half the time I wouldn't. And you know, it caused me to go through a two-year period of, you know, super severe PTSD. I didn't want to, like, kill myself, but, you know, it was one of those times where you really didn't care either kind of thing, you know. So what started getting you out of this and leading you to start Greater Veterans Spokane? So during that period, I started working out, working with dogs, uh, going to events, uh, haphazardly and coincidentally bumping into veterans uh, that had been there, done that. And uh, another thing that helped kind of oddly enough is my wife out of nowhere says, hey, let's try for a girl. And 
it's like as soon as you got, you know, I'm like sitting here, hey, you know, there's not a boy girl switch down there. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> and uh, as soon as she was pregnant, like I had this gut feeling it was a girl. And uh, of course, it ended up being a girl. And it just flipped the switch back right again, you know. And I still struggle to this day, day with certain things. I'm not going to lie about it, you know. Well, I, as a father myself with three sons, I have to ask what's the difference between having boys and then having a daughter? Uh, it's a 24-hour cycle of a mixture between heaven and hell. I'll say mm -hmm. it honestly. Like, so my brother-in-law had a, had a daughter with my sister, right? And uh, she's this cute little thing, long hair, you know, uh, Native American ancestry. So she's got that perfect complexion and, you know, just a little doll child. And he was like, Hey man, you know, you you give me crap all the time about my daughter getting everything she wants. Just wait till yours is born. I'm like, oh no, I'm a big tough army guy. You're not a vet, blah, 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 right? So she comes out and no joke, as soon as she came out of my wife, she looked dead serious like a drill sergeant at me with her pinky up. And the doctor looks at me and, you know, I don't know if I can cuss on here or not, but he he said, you're, you know what? Yeah, uh, you're, you're done. Yeah, so I'm like, nah, this guy's crazy. Well, no, he wasn't crazy. He was truthful. So she's she's sweet when she wants to be. And yeah, you want to pull your hair out, which is why I started shaving my head um, when she wants to be. How fascinating in a way that even before she was born, she was bringing you back, Nick. That's, yeah. that's, pr that's pretty special. But you're going through a lot of challenges. A lot of people don't even understand or even think about that much anymore. And it must have been hard until it started getting good, right? Yeah, and it did. And it seemed, you know, I mean, early on, my mom and stepdad, who actually kicked us out, they were where we lived, convinced us to uh, cash out what retirement we had in 2014 and moved to Missouri. So I did. And you know, of course, instantly got snapped up by a max security prison to work there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's be a good job. You know, prisons pay well. well that one didn't. But uh, anyway, we did that for, you know, about six months when our daughter was under a year old and with tornadoes dancing around us. And we don't have that in Washington. We just have dumb politicians and Californians driving in snow. That's the worst thing we face. Up here. Oh. <laughs> but uh you know, we were just like, yeah, we can't do this anymore, man. Seeing trees the size of a house get uprooted like someone was drunk and planted them upside down. I'm like, yeah, this ain't cool. So we, you know, came home and, you know, started working on other things. So one of those other things is Greater Veterans Spokane, and that's what we're talking yeah. about. When, when did that really start seeing your mind as something that you wanted to pursue? So around 2012, when I was going through that super, super dark period, I was like, you know, these would be cool services because I work with Spokane County Vet Services and there was nothing like it. Right. And then in 2015, I started with uh, TSA with Homeland Security and I left a full time job to go work there only to find out after I got hired and started. Oh, yeah. Everyone starts off at part time. So my head was starting to spiral down again. And so I was like, okay, this would be a good time to launch it because I got this free time and rather than sit here and dwell on poor me and this sucks, I'm going to go ahead and start Greater Veterans then and 
everyone, you know, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do this. And it, it evolves constantly, you know, what we do. And what is it that, that you all do? There's a lot of business organizations out there. They're all trying to meet a certain need. What's the need that you're trying to, or problem you're trying to address? Well, so originally we wanted to build it like a VFW on steroids, right? That's the easiest way to describe it. So we were like, okay, we need a, you know, a warehouse size center. We want to have a cafe bistro featuring veteran coffees and veteran products a lounge rack area for families and kids to hang out while mom, dad, or both are getting some kind of service, you know, like have Madden tournaments, ping pong, foosball, all that, a gym, you know, cause healthy mind, healthy body concept, a little bit of service dog stuff, an auditorium for like concerts, speaking events, holiday meals. And then also like an internet cafe business area cause social media helps a lot of us, believe it or not, it's not just negative through dark periods, like I still keep in contact with my best man from my wedding, who I haven't seen in person since I left for Kosovo. Because he was going stateside and I was going to Kosovo. So, but we talk and I see him through social media and whatnot. And so that's what we designed it to be. And then we took it a step further and said, okay, well, we can't just call it the Greater Veterans Center. You know, that's like, you know, eating a hot dog with no ketchup, mustard, or relish, right? It's just, it's not a good thing, you know? So we're like, okay, what do we want to call it? And I was like, well, let's call it the EVAC Center because that means getting out of a bad into a good. And then people are like, okay, cool. So what's the acronym? And I'm like, every veteran's assistance center. So it has marketability. So that's our ultimate goal is to get an EVAC Center up and running as, in as many states as possible because we working with the VFW closely, see the VFWs dying out because they alienate non-combat vets, right? Well, then on top of that, the Legion, in my opinion, not to bash them, but they're overpriced. When I look at membership for membership, I was like, okay, who am I going to join? The VFW at the time, because I was so young, was like 400 bucks for lifetime and the Legion was 12. And then I look at who does more for me in our area. So I went with the VFW, right? Yeah. But I mean, they're both of them are dying because they're they're making, you know, a fundamental mistake and forgetting about the lady vets, you know. And I said, if you're going to have a bar, you need to follow like a John Taffer from Bar Rescue. If the place isn't enticing and people want to come there, then you're missing the mark. So you got to kind of run it like a business. And a lot of times they don't. So that's the ultimate goal. So just tell me about the, the bear paw, because that's one of the things that stuck out at me when I first started seeing your stuff on social media, which is how we connected is the bear paw. I'm all over that. You know, what, what's that mean to you? Well, it, it has a lot of meaning, um, believe it or not. So originally when I designed it, it was as a kid, I was told, you know, by a shaman that, you know, even though I'm not affiliated with the tribe, that that's my spirit animal because it means protection and strength. Right. Yeah. So I like that aspect of it. Then being from the Northwest, we have more than a few bears. So that made sense. And then at the time, not so much now with Space Force, unless you have a mutated grizzly with an extra toe. But at the time, there were essentially five branches. And uh, so that made sense. So it all came together the way it was supposed to. That's really cool. That's really cool. So you're, you, you, I'm on the... East Coast in New England, just south of Boston, you're on Spokane. I forget how far that is from Seattle. Let's just say 
Six hours drive on average. Okay. So, so we are opposite ends of the U.S. We both serve. We're both veterans. Um, what, what, what would you say are the problems veterans face in Spokane? Are they similar to yours? Yes and no. I mean, I don't think I don't think a veteran in one area nationally from the phone calls, podcast ex- research I've done are all that different. I mean, number one, when you get out, the first thing you encounter is I don't belong, right? So I call that in my book that I'm working on still, hopefully done soon. But I call it the analogy vet island. When you get out, you're on this island by yourself. So you have to build that bridge back to the community. And there's a lot of different ways, means, and avenues to do that, right? So one way we have found, I guess is the best way to put it, is music because music helps with TBIs, but it does something more powerful. And not to not to pick on him, I don't know him personally. I know people who work for him, but like Jocko Willink is probably one of the most notable veteran speakers out there, right? So if you get Jocko, it's going to have a high price tag, but it's also going to have a high yield. So from a business model, it makes sense. But if you put that on the average veteran stage, people will pay to meet him and you'll make money, but people might leave just kind of. I guess, unfulfilled, whereas I've noticed when you put music, magic happens, it brings the community, it brings vets, it brings sponsors, it brings everybody together as one. And so that's kind of why we started, you know, using that as a main focus on when we do our live events. Well, it's really interesting. I've met some veteran artists, primarily the ones I've met have been out of the Tennessee, Nashville area. And the reason I thought, wow, that's pretty cool because I'm checking out your website is one of the problems they have right off the bat is a place to play. Yeah. And some of them have, you know, alcohol issues, other things, and they just want to play without that extra stress that it causes them when they're dealing with that. So I thought, well, that's really cool. I mean, you know, you don't have to be great, but if you want to come hone your craft, you could come and be at the evac center if you wanted to. That's what, that's what I got from your website. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. We want to get it up and running. But I will say, uh, even though we have a relatively high uh, veteran per capita ratio, specifically in eastern Washington, I think there's from here through northern Idaho all the way to western Montana, there's over 50,000 vets that use our local VA. So the vet population's there, but the sponsors aren't like in a Texas or a Tennessee where they're like, uh, you know, Hey, here's seventy thousand dollars. Here's ten thousand. To us, a big sponsor is like a couple grand. Like that's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? That's lotto money to us because up here it's no matter how consistent you are, how much road work, bridge building you do, it's just it's tough to get a consistent donor to get the center going. And then you know, there's developers that own several buildings and they don't want to donate for crap. I mean, they're just what's in it for me, look at me, what's in it for me. And it's like, you know, we've thought about moving to other areas, but we're fighters, so we want to stay here and fight for now. You know, you bring up something that's really a lot more common than people know is you have these large areas and small areas with a lot of veterans in it, like 50,000 veterans in your area is not insignificant but either getting them to pull together to support something or getting support for them 
seems really challenging. Do you, do you have any idea why that is? Well, I think there's, I don't, I can't speak for Tennessee or Texas or any other state's vet community, but there's a lot of competition for the same dollar, not just with vet nonprofits, but other ones. Uh, there's divisiveness. Like I won't go into details, but there's a nonprofit. They moved here from California, right? Which anyone from the Northwest, that alone says enough, but uh, they have some questionable business practices and they've tried to slander my name and do some other stuff but then they try and follow my my footprint in terms of what I do right so you got people like that then you have competition then we don't we're not one of the nonprofits that like everyone when they hear nonprofit they want you to be like McDonald's you know over a million served right well we do a lot of stuff outside our main mission that we don't always advertise because we're not about, Hey, you know, look at us, look at us. I mean, I'm very truthful as you've seen on my social media. I say it like it is about almost everything, whether I'm right or wrong, doesn't matter. Those are, you know, again, I have to always differentiate whether that's my opinion or the opinion of greater veterans. Uh, but we do like last week we went, a friend of ours requested that we go visit her uncle, who's a Vietnam vet who fell and broke his hip. She had COVID, and then his daughter, who's his caregiver, uh, is get, going through cancer treatment. So there, she's like, hey, can you go give him a care package and go visit him? We're like, yeah, why not? So we did, right? And that cost the nonprofit 40 bucks is what our total cost on that was. So obviously we're not going to sit here and nickel and dime ourselves to death and do a million of these. But when we get special requests, even if it's outside the mission, we, you know, take a quick vote, senior leadership on the board, and we decide to do it or not do it. We've done cancer fundraisers, which, again, are something we don't like to do and we don't typically do because, unfortunately, due to, you know, the munitions and every other thing they put us through when we deploy or get stationed somewhere, there's a million vets out there with cancer. So how do you tell one they're more important than another, right? So we don't do those a lot, but we, you know, locally, if it's someone we personally know and we're asked, we try to accommodate any way we can. It just seems that way in, in, in my part of the world, uh, there's more nonprofits being created every day. The competition for the dollar is fierce. It's, it's dog eat dog. And, I get it. You know, I've had people tell me, well, I, I can't serve 100,000 people, so I can't get a look from somebody in my community who might be able to support me more. But be that as it may, you're, you're on the ground now. Do you, do you see any progress overall from when you and I serve with services available to now? I would say, yeah. I mean, the thing the thing is, is, People are going to reach out to you when they're coming up or even if they're big to see if you do something they don't. So it's kind of like a Swiss army knife or a fishing net, right? There's not going to be a one size fits all, but there's going to be a one size fits most. So like I've reached out to uh, bigger uh, nonprofits and I didn't tell them I was going to mention them, but I don't know if you've heard of vets. So Marcus and Amber Capone, Marcus is a retired Navy SEAL. Uh, they're doing good work with psychedelics in relation to PTSD, and they're going through legislatures in different states trying to get it approved. And I won't say his name on here, but I will say he is a uh, former operator. 
and I seen him on a regular basis at my old job. So I seen one time he came through and I was like, Hey dude, what's up with your eyes, man? You seem happy. Do you win the lotto or what's going on? You get a new gun, what's going on? And he told me about the program. And then Sean Ryan had him on the show right after that. And I seen the change in him. So I sent him a message and inquired and I had a great conversation with Amber about what they're doing. And what's the program's name again? Uh, it's called Vets. They, if you look up Marcus and Amber Capone, but they do psychedelics. So I, I can't fully, how do I say it? I can't explain it on a, a technical or medical level because that's sure. just not, not my wheelhouse, but it's pretty interesting. So uh, that's one group I've talked to, um, you know, Asal Ravondi with uh, AUSA. They do that. The Vetti Awards in D.C., they do a lot of good things and, you know, work outside our wheelhouse. So there's there's all these nonprofits always forming and different things. And you might not necessarily get along with everybody, but it's always good to inform yourself what's out there. That way, if you get a vet coming in that you can't help, you know who to send them to because ultimately we're supposed to be a team. So how can, how can people help what you're doing? Uh, you know, honestly, I don't, how do I say it? Like I get asked, you know, from donors, what's a, what's a magic number for you? And I said, more is better, but I never tell someone how much to write a check for, right? If we have sponsorship packets, then that lays it out, right? What they get, what they're paying for. But I mean, in terms of help spread the message, uh, share shows I've been on, um, ask me questions, call me, whatever you want to do. I mean, I do, you know, I do a lot other than what's posted on the website, not because, you know, I feel like I have to, but because I want to, because if someone reaches out to you, you might be their last line before, you know, what happens. And absolutely, if you can help, you should. I mean, that's basic humanity and basic human decency that I think our uh, world today is lacking. Well, it, it just gets me that no matter where the person is in this country or even overseas a lot of the things are the same you know it, it's it's a, it's maslow's hierarchy i'll just put it like that you know getting yeah. a shelter and place to live that's stable gain access to you know cares and service that you need job being able to take care of your family then things start working themselves out well not really but you know what i mean you have to to work toward it if you have those things in mind so ladies and gentlemen i'm with army veteran nick richardson he has greater veteran spokane um we have been talking online back and forth he's generously allowed me to share my shows on his page and this one will be on that page too and you know i'm always interested nick in organizations that are taking action you know there's an action component it's not just raising money at a golf tournament or a motorcycle ride, I'm, I'm making those packets to, to, to packages to give out to somebody. I'm checking out that veteran and making sure they're okay. Do, do you feel, you know, as we close this down, you know, what is needed for veterans as a whole to move ourselves forward? Uh, I would say two things on it. Well, three things technically. Okay. So legislation needs to support us. Um, and then it's kind of a mix of two other things. Stigmatism needs to be erased. So like uh, Sergeant Major of the Army Grinston, he was my first sergeant when I deployed to Kosovo. Great man, great leader, right? 
he's kind of destigmatized uh, suicide and encouraged soldiers to get help without fear of repercussions. So that's another thing. And then honesty, right? I mean, everyone wants to be some kind of social media influencer. And you and I both know there's goods and bads in it. But uh, I don't know. I just think if you're a big name, why not use your name for good instead of, you know, ego, right? And so it's always tough on a nonprofit level identifying the difference between the two, right? Like some people want to use you as a stepping stone. Some people have a big ego and just want you to hire them for an event. And then other people are genuine, like, hey, dude, how can I help? You know, and sometimes you got to get stabbed in the back. And, you know, in seven years of doing this, my back's pretty scarred, but I'm going to keep going forward. You know, I mean, it's just the right thing to do. That's as simple as it gets. Well, hey, brother, you know, I, I've been watching you for a while. You've been watching me. I am certainly here to help however I can far away or up close. We'll see. I've never been to Washington before. Be a good good excuse to get out there and, and see that nice. part of the country. And and I know how to drive in snow. That's a bonus part too. <laughs> good, good, good. You'll need it if you come up in that time of year. Good, good. Well, again, I'm Traps Foster Mike Radio. I'm with Nick Richardson's from Greater Veterans Spokane. Uh, I will have Nick the website link to your organization in the show post. And check it out, ladies and gentlemen. It's a really cool concept. And I want you to embrace this. And if you're in the Washington area, go and check it out. I want to thank you for joining me and watching Oscar Mike Radio. Now go to OscarMikeRadio.com and click shop to check out all the cool merchandise from Authentically American. All proceeds go to veteran service organizations. We are Mission in Flight.